Hello and welcome to the New to Canada podcast, the show that shares honest, real-life stories and insider info from internationals living in Canada. I am your host, Kate Johnson, and I made the big move from England to Canada in 2017 after falling in love with a Canadian. Join me as I chat with fellow newcomers and learn all about where they are from in the world, why they chose Canada as their new home, and the lessons they've learnt along the way. It's great to have you. This is a very important message about this particular episode. This episode was recorded on January 26, 2022, before the Russian invasion of Ukraine was announced to the world. This episode's guest, Zara Bagramian, was born in Armenia but moved to Kiev, Ukraine with her family when she was a one-year-old. Together we discuss fun facts about both Armenia and Ukraine and what it was like to live and grow up in both countries. I have spoken with Zara to ensure that she is still comfortable with this episode's release and she is happy to proceed. We both see it as a tribute to the beautiful city of Kiev and the Ukrainian people and as always with this podcast, a great way for listeners to learn about different parts of the world through the eyes of its natives and residents. Now, with the ongoing Russia-Ukraine war, Zara would like to take this opportunity to share an organisation with us that she is supporting. Toronto real estate agents Natalia Popovich and Todor Yordanov dropped everything and, using their personal money and donations from friends, headed to Bulgaria to help Ukrainian refugees on the ground fleeing the war. You can read more about their story and donate to their humanitarian efforts via their Instagram page at uhe-relief or by searching Ukrainian Humanitarian Emergency Relief on Facebook. I have personally donated to help this organisation and I will include all links in the show notes. Let's start the show. If you have managed to combine your passions with your career, you are truly living the dream. This doesn't come easy for a lot of us, including this week's guest, Zara Bagramian. Zara was born in Armenia, grew up in Ukraine, and now has lived in Toronto for the past eight and a half years. In this episode, we chat about what to do when you find yourself unfulfilled in your career, stuck on autopilot and feeling like something is missing. And when the COVID hit, especially, I I was very confused about things because I had a great job. I had a great team I was working with and it was supposed to be my dream job. And yet there were days actually when I was working and I had tears on my eyes and I don't remember those days. Just very sad autopilot. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, I was just just going without understanding what's happening. And COVID was a big pause that I needed. And I started thinking, okay, what makes me actually happy? Zara shares with us the methods she used to discover her true purpose in life and redirect her career path to bring her more happiness. We also discuss homesickness and ways to overcome it, as well as the immigrant blip when trying to understand new cultural references. Let's start the show. (laughs) 
Hi, Zara. How are you doing? Hi, good. How are you? I am well. Very busy. I don't know what's happened this week. Very busy, but trucking along. How uh, How's your week so far? It's been fantastic, actually. Um, this weekend, my boyfriend proposed. <gasps> so I'm newly engaged. Was not expecting that. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. That's amazing. <gasps> Round of applause for love. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my god. Show me the ring. No one else can see it. It's just me. Sorry, guys. I don't have it on me because it was too big, unfortunately. So oh. I had to take it off. I had to do that too. It was so sad. And then I dropped it off and they were like, so it's going to be about three weeks. I was like, three weeks? Yep. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's so awesome though. How long have you been together? Three years now. Wow. And is he Canadian? He is. He's Canadian with Italian roots. Love a good love story. We'll get into it now, I'm sure. I'm really interested. So, <laughs> Yeah, there were a couple of uh, media spots that actually picked up his proposal because it was quite unique. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, basically, he tasked his, um, his brother and his brother-in-law to write Marry Me with the huge letters on this huge field that's outside of our condo building. Right. Oh, in the snow? In the snow. Yeah. And they have, so it's basically a huge field in the middle of our neighborhood. So a lot of buildings in our neighborhood can see. Uh huh. And we were out. So his brother and brother-in-law came in and started writing it and almost everything went perfect. But when they were writing it, they actually made a mistake <laughs> and they wrote marry me with an E as opposed to A. So like a Merry Christmas. Oh. <laughs> And I, it was it was very cold, and you know his his brother is on three hours of sleep. He has two kids at home, so thank God someone from the building saw that they were writing it wrong, and then came down and said, "Hey guys, actually that's not how it's spelled." <laughs> I mean, I'm sure she'll understand, but guys, like, you want to switch yeah. out this letter? Oh my gosh, that's so funny. What a cute way. That's the most Canadian proposal I've probably ever heard as well. That's <laughs> just embracing the snow and like. That's awesome. And just making everyone's day. I feel like if I was in a condo and I looked down and saw that, I would just be like, oh my gosh, I'm just like looking out my window to see when you arrived. Yeah, that was actually a Facebook thread on the like a neighborhood group. Uh-huh. People were debating if, if I'm going to say yes, if I'm going to say <laughs> no. Who is she? Who is this? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, congrats. You'll have to send me a photo. Maybe we can share it because that's so, so cute and Canadian. I love that. For sure. Well, so you are in Toronto. That was going to be my question. Obviously, you are. Um, how are you finding Toronto? Are you? How long have you lived there for? It's been eight and a half years now. Nice. Well, thank you so much for meeting with me today. I'm excited to chat with you. You are well-versed in the immigrant life, born in Armenia and then moving to Ukraine at a young age. So seeing the impact of that move on your immigrant parents growing up and then... When you were older, you spent some time in the UK and now officially moved to Canada, well, eight years ago, like you just said. So yeah, I'm excited to to pick your brains on, on all of that experience. So welcome. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So as I mentioned, you were born in Armenia in the Middle East. So what can you tell us about your country? It's a very small country. There's about three million people living there. But what's funny is that there's actually a lot more Armenians outside of the country than inside of it. Um, so we're sort of like scattered all over the world. So immigration is like a natural thing for Armenians, for a lot of Armenians. The country is very warm and beautiful. We've got 
lots of, uh, we don't have a lot of snow, but we have um, sort of snowy mountains a little bit. We have very high mountains, so they get snowy on the top. So it's beautiful. Yeah, I absolutely love it. It's my motherland. Yeah. Oh, it's so old as well, right? It's um, one of the oldest countries in the world. So lots of history around. And to put it into perspective, the capital, is it Yerevan? I hope I'm saying that right. It was built 29 years before Rome in Italy. So that just puts it in perspective how old the country is. It's absolutely beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Lots of old cathedrals, lots of old churches. So Armenia was actually one of the first countries who adopted Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, so oh, there's quite a few very, very old churches there with uh, lots of stories and, uh, there's families who are telling these stories from generation to generation. So yeah, it's a magical place. Wow. To be part of something like that with such, such a long history, it's, that's really special for sure. And, and touching on the churches, <laughs> it's called the land of the churches for a reason. There's over 4,000 of them. So yeah, thousands of year old monasteries and cathedrals and you just have the backdrops with these old buildings. It's absolutely stunning. Yeah. Thank you. What about the food? What, what can you tell us about Armenian food? I think what comes to mind is that we eat a lot of meat. Uh-huh. In all possible ways, there is that I can't think of any dish that doesn't have meat in it. So we are very much fond of it. Um, but the food at the same time is very simple. You know, it uh, it doesn't have a lot of spices. It doesn't have a lot of um, different layers of flavor. I guess mm-hmm. so. It's very simple, nice, fresh. Um, we love bread too. So mm-hmm. that's another thing. Who doesn't? <laughs> Yeah, so it's very, very nice, fresh things that you will find somewhere out in the, out in the woods, out in between the mountains. Um, that kind of, kind of vibe. Yeah, awesome. So you've obviously gone back a lot. We'll go, we'll go into the story of of moving to Ukraine. But um, you, you obviously left when you were one, but you have a real strong connection to to Armenia still, and you've visited a lot and spent a lot of time there, and and you know explored your roots a lot. So. Um, what would you recommend doing uh, if you were to visit for the first time? What what kind of places would, would should we check out? I would say go check out the opera house and like around the opera house in Yerevan because it's a magnificent building. It's got beautiful architecture and it has a very interesting uh, cascade outside of it. It's basically like a cascade of buildings on top of each mm. other. So it's really cool. And Definitely go to, to the mountains, mountain Ararat. Definitely go there if you can. It's a bit of a drive, but it's a historical place and, mm. um, churches, churches everywhere. <laughs> churches, churches everywhere. I love that. We should, uh, send that in for the, the tourism website. That's awesome. Um, yeah, the, the mountain looks over the capital, right? Because I saw the photos of the city and there's this huge snowy top mountain overlooking the, the capital and all the buildings have this, kind of pretty pink kind of hue to them because of the volcanic rock that was used to to build them as well it's just yeah it's it's really stunning thank you (laughs) now finally as as an Armenian I have to ask I'm curious because this question will polarize people what do you think about the Kardashians (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there's two groups of people in Armenia people who love Kardashians and people who don't love them right I could see that not to use any harsh language. <laughs> <laughs> which which camp do you fall in? I'm afraid to say that I'm more on the on the camp of I am not that type of a person. Right. 
Right. It's just not my crowd. A hundred percent. Yeah. They're definitely soaked in American culture for sure. Um, but then, yeah, I guess they've, they've shed light on a lot of Armenian history and current issues and conflicts that are happening and donated money. So that's always good. I was just interested to hear your, your, your take on them as an Armenian. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that lately they've started actually doing a lot more. Yeah. Um, and, we obviously appreciated raising that awareness about the issues and, and the cultural problems that we have. So that's been amazing. And I think they've got a couple of points there, definitely. Yeah, their heart's in a good place. <laughs> let's, yeah. just, let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and then what about Ukraine? Because as we mentioned, your parents moved the family there when you were only a one-year-old. Um, how old was your brother at the time? You have a brother, right? I do. Yes. He was seven. He was almost seven. So there's six year difference between us. Yeah. Nice. So what fueled that decision for them to move to Ukraine? Armenia was going through really rough times around that time. That's when 1991, when USSR fell apart Mm -hmm. and lots of the countries were trying to figure out how to live independently and how to build their own system and politics. Um, So there was a lot happening and Armenia was struggling in a lot of cases. And it was hard to raise kids there. Um, we had days when we didn't have like the lights or water for days and days. So it was very, very tough. Um, and my parents had to make a hard decision to, to move, but it was not like they wanted to move forever. If they wanted to move for a couple of years and then come back, but right. they ended up staying there. Oh, they're still there today. Yes. Wow. Wow, what a scary decision to to have to make, really, with with small children too. I guess was it easy to move to Ukraine back at, back in those days? You just could move. Yeah, I would say so. There wasn't a lot of language barrier because all countries were speaking Russian at that point, so it was easy from that perspective. They didn't have to learn anything new, and it wasn't that far. It's only two and a half hours away right. flight, so not too far. And we already had some people who moved there from our family. Oh, okay. So they kind of trailblazed it. So word of mouth, everyone was like, Ukraine's great. Yeah, the the similarities in language will help you. And um, yeah, interesting. So where in Ukraine did you grow up? Where did they move to? I grew up in Kiev, in the capital. A wonderful city, um, much bigger than Yerevan. So for me and for my family, when we moved, it was like, Felt like very big. And then it came to <laughs> Toronto and now Kiev seems very small. Double, double, double. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so Kiev, how, how would you describe Kiev for someone who's never visited? What, what was your typical kind of weekend like growing up there? Kiev is very green. So we have lots and lots of parks, woods in the middle of the city. Like it's absolutely gorgeous. Wow. Um, and there is a river that basically separates two sides of Kiev. It sort of like splits the city in half. So you also get a little bit of water. Um, and Kiev also got a lot of history in there. So lots of churches again, but different, different style. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of history there. Um, and castles. Yeah. Well, that's Ukraine as a, as, as a whole, I guess. But I just wrote lots of coffee and castles. That's what I kind of go to when I think of Ukraine. <laughs> coffee for sure. Yeah. So what year did you move there? I'm guessing the the fallout from Chernobyl would have been pretty mainstream back then when your parents moved. Do, do your parents have any memories of that time? Or They don't have memories of that time. Um, it was It was already sort of a thing that was accepted. 
but Chernobyl was still, I mean, it's still the area that's yeah. deserted out there. Um, however, there are some people that are moving back there and living there. I remember as a kid, actually, when I was in school, we would have like trips to Chernobyl to really? see the area. Oh, wow. Quite a crazy trip to take 10 year olds, but <laughs> I'd know. say so. Wow. Oh my gosh. I guess it was when you look at these, when you watch these documentaries where they have these experts that were there at the time, they really just tried to keep it more hush and downplay the whole thing at that time. So yeah, I guess that does make sense that they would just be like, yeah, it's a great school trip. Go check it out. <laughs> yeah. Learn something about the history. You know, it was kind of like a history lesson. Mm-hmm. Wow. So what would you say were the main differences between life in Armenia and life in Ukraine? Obviously, you left when you were one, but you've spent so much time in Armenia now since. So what would you say are the main differences between between the two countries? From the lifestyle perspective, I would say Armenians are a bit more out there when it comes to creating those neighborhood communities. I remember growing up in Armenia, it was always about... Um, talking to your neighbors and sharing everything that you have at home and cooking and making this big festival, almost like festival things like outside. Because the weather is nice, it's warm, and gathering somewhere outside in a neighborhood, chatting, sharing experiences. Everyone knows everything about everyone because it's a much smaller city. Mm-hmm. So there is a sense of community a lot there. And that's that's something that Kiev I, I can't say that it was missing, but it was different, right? Because it's a bigger city. Yeah. When when you re- when you think about it, you've had you've had extensive exposure to three pretty drastically different cultures now, right? So you had the Middle Eastern culture with your roots and your parents, and then you've grown up in Eastern European culture, and now you're fully immersed in North American culture. So um, I'm interested. So where would you say you feel the most you? You mentioned obviously in. Armenia, there's the sense of community that if that really speaks to you, I'm just curious where you kind of see yourself. If someone was to ask where you're from, how would you answer that? Where you're from is a really difficult question for me. (laughs) Right, I bet. Um, I always have to pause a bit. And then I sort of reassess the situation. I'm like, do I go into the whole story of three countries? Or do I just say, I'm Canadian, because I've lived here for so long with Armenian roots? Mm. And then a squeeze in Ukraine there somewhere in the story too. <laughs> so I would say that I still identify as Armenian in a lot of cases. I think it, it sits very deeply in me culturally. My parents and my family, I speak to Arme- Armenian to them. So it's very much in me. I still cook Armenian food. I follow Armenian traditions. So even though I moved around so much, it's always been part of me. And I feel like when I'm in that Armenian, but even when I've listened to Armenian music or reading books, watching some shows, that's when I feel the most myself. That's when I feel the most comfortable and welcomed. Wow. And your parents are still in Ukraine. Do you have family and friends in Armenia now or are most people in Ukraine? Lots of family in Armenia. Mm-hmm. So still a very strong connection. Yeah. So... After growing up in Ukraine, you spent some time in London, UK, which fueled your interest in different cultures and, and moving abroad, really. So, um, yeah, tell us more about that. London, UK was a time of my life, I can say, really. It was an absolutely beautiful trip. I was 19 when I went there. So wow. young and open to opportunities and to everything around me. And that was the first time when I was exposed to so many different cultures. 
and the way the different cultures live together. I lived in a house with um, two different cultures. So there was a girl from Spain and from France. And it was unusual at the beginning. And then I realized that I enjoyed it so much of learning about people, even though we had still language barriers, because I went there to study English. So a lot of students in the house, we still had some language barriers. Um, you know, sometimes there were some drawings, sometimes we had to like <laughs> explain things with our hands that was happening. But nevertheless, I've learned so much about other cultures and about the way that people think. And it was, it was eye opening for me. And that's when I think I realized that I want to live in a country where I'm surrounded by different foods and, and languages and people. Cause that's what makes, that's what makes it fun for me. Wow. And did you go into that experience expecting you would learn that about yourself? I guess not. You just thought it would be an adventure and it really just decided your whole life path from there. So that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so how long were you in the UK for before? Did you go back to Ukraine after that and then figure out the next step? How did you end up in Canada? Let's let's run through that timeline because that seems like a big jump from from the UK to across the pond. So, so the way that I've ended up in Canada is actually through, I can say through my brother in some cases. So he moved to US um, about five years before I moved to Canada and he lived in US and he was always raving about living abroad in the North, Northern America. And I went to visit him a couple of times in US and I absolutely loved it. And then he had plans to move to Canada for his master's degree. And he ended up in Ottawa, actually. And I started thinking, you know, maybe... Canada could be a spot for me too, because A, I already have someone there, even though he was very new and he was in a different city. I always considered Toronto. I never considered any other cities. And also Toronto seemed like a very safe and welcoming city on its own with uh, lots of diversity and uh, lots of opportunities. And it, it it ended up being true, actually. Yeah, I was going to say that if you if the multicultural aspect appealed to you in in London, then Toronto is very similar to that with the same kind of vibe of people from all over the world. So I can see why that appealed to you. <laughs> now, would you say growing up with immigrant parents helped you and you know prepare for the big move to Canada? You'd seen them had they gone through any ups and downs moving to Ukraine from their from their country that they they knew and they were familiar with and. And seeing them go through that, I guess you knew what to expect yourself when you when you went through that. I would say it would have helped with, uh, with my mindset, with my attitude when I came to a new country. Because I definitely saw my parents struggle when they came to Ukraine. Obviously, it was a different situation. They had two kids. I, I was by myself. So uh-huh. it, was, it was easier. It was much easier. <laughs> yeah. So I always remembered my parents, you know, at the, the times when things got hard. I always thought if uh, if my parents can do it with two kids, then I can definitely do this on my own. Right. Oh my gosh, that's such a good mindset to have because yeah, you you also have that reality check in the back of your mind as well. Where a lot of people, when they move abroad, it's almost like 
you just think it's going to be all sunshines and butterflies and it's all going to be such an incredible experience. And then when you do struggle in different areas, it's just a huge hit and people really struggle to adapt. So you kind of had those two things in in your court, which is awesome. Yeah. Amazing. So you were 21 when you moved to Toronto by yourself back in 2013. So you came initially as an international student. So you studied marketing. Um, was that was that your first experience, this side of the world? You'd never traveled this way before? Not in Canada. I traveled a lot in US and actually considered US for a long time. I have quite a lot of family in Los Angeles, so I was debating between Los Angeles and Toronto for a bit. Amazing. So what were your first impressions of Toronto? Was it everything? Had you researched it? Was it everything that you expected it to be? I think it came out actually much better than I thought it would be. Oh, that's always good. (laughs) Yeah, I think um, I didn't expect people to be that nice. I Uh mean, I've heard stories about Canadians being nice, but I thought it was just a stereotype. No, (laughs) it's not. People are very nice. And I've been in situations when I was just, you know, on the street with a bunch of bags and I was very overwhelmed trying to move stuff around when I was moving from one place to another. And random people would just come in and help me to move my stuff without any, anything. Yeah. It was, uh, so it was shocking, but good shocking. Yeah, that reminds me of the the show Come From Away. I just recently went to see it just in time before the restrictions came in again. Have you seen it by any chance? So, no, I haven't. Oh, it's so good. The Broadway show Come From Away, and it's based on Newfoundland during 9-11 and when all the planes were grounded and then all of these people from all over the world found themselves in this tiny town in Newfoundland and all these Canadians you know, they kind of tripled their population overnight and they had nowhere to stay and nothing. And all these Canadians were just like, take this, take this. And it's just so funny how how true it is, how kind they are. And, you know, there's a funny line where the guy's in Walmart and then the guy, the girl's like, oh, thank you for shopping at Walmart. Do you want to come to my house for a shower? Like, it's just, it's so, so much kindness. So that just reminded me of that. I would definitely recommend that show for sure. It's so good. So funny. Yeah, I'll check it out. <laughs> So what would you say were some of your struggles during that time? Um, you mentioned it was, it was great and you loved the city and, you know, you had some English language skills, I'm guessing, after your experience in England. So what would you say were some of the struggles? I would say it hit me six months after I moved that I really, really miss my, my family and my country. So homesickness was a big one for me. That's, that's a really great observation that it took six months to kick in because I feel like people land and they're like, oh, I got this. Like, this is fantastic. I'm loving life. I've got no struggles. I'm killing it. And then, yeah, it's around. It's so true, isn't it? Around the six month to a year is where it just comes on top of you like a ton of bricks. And you have that's when, yeah, you start to really miss home and, and go through the, the emotional roller coaster. So that's cool that you said that. Yeah, yeah. And at that point, it's almost like you can't turn back because it's already been six months. <laughs> yeah. So turning back is not an option. And then keep going kind of hurts you. And there's a bit of a pain there. So you, you find yourself in this, uh, in this spot where you just have to push through. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it almost hurts your progress if you were to go home. I always try to say that to people. Like if you have that hope sickness, it can be really tempting to just go home, but then you could be just taking a steps backwards if you go home and you know go like you said you've got to push through and maybe in at the year mark I think I was I think I was a year in before my first trip back just so that I had the year under my belt and to 
to have those experiences with me. But um, yeah. So homesickness, how did you how did you deal with that? Do you have any tips for anyone going through this that similar struggle right now? The best way for me to deal with it was um, trying to create a home here. Mm-hmm. So I was looking for ways of, you know, maybe I find a similar food to my hometown. Or maybe I um, find people with the same background so then we can share the same experiences. Yes. It was always a challenge to do even then in Toronto. There was still um, quite a few hours I had to travel to get to the food <laughs> or to get to the places I had to. But those hours, like I still remember sitting in a bus on the way to Armenian bakery and being so excited yeah. for just having that bread finally. <laughs> yeah. Just like listening to Armenian music. You're just like, let's go on your way there. Yeah. It does make such a difference. It sounds so funny, but it's true. Food, music, watching TV shows, like all of that stuff is, it makes such a difference to kind of bring home to where you are. Um, yeah. I would say also I felt a bit uh, different at the beginning. Mm-hmm. A good and bad different. So it's, it's interesting because, because I didn't grow up in Canada, even though I had a lot of Canadian friends at that point, there were some cultural differences from, you know, the shows that they were referencing to or the music, sort of something from the nineties when they were growing up and they were watching the shows and I never watched them because I grew up in a different country. So it was hard for me sometimes to relate to some things. And, um, humor, I found humor very challenging, understanding someone's jokes, because in a humor, you sometimes reference lines from the shows or from the movies. So if you don't know the show, you don't know what's happening. So you don't get the joke. (laughs) You're the only one in a room who doesn't laugh. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. And yeah, you can just sit there and just pretend to laugh or... Yeah, that's a tough one. It just comes with time. There's really nothing you can do about that. I just accept it. And then you can just explain it to them too, right? It's like, oh, sorry, I'm new here. What's, what's that show? And just make a joke out of yourself almost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my, my friends always had a joke of, um, you know, if there, there's a certain years that they're like, it's like a blip that happened in a Marvel. So I'm like blipped. So there is like five years <laughs> that I didn't know anything that didn't exist. Yeah, um, exactly. Just from this date onwards, please. Like <laughs> all jokes and content can just be from these dates. <laughs> yeah. It's funny for me too, because I joined such a small community here and I joined my, so I met a Canadian, moved here and was introduced to all of his friends and all of his family and his friends. He's literally been friends with those people since he was in kindergarten, right? Like they are years and years and years old. So. For me, every, it was, it was almost one step further than just your cultural things. Cause it was all the memories they would talk about and the childhood, you know, adventures they were going on. And I would literally sit there like, well, I moved here last week. So I don't know what you're talking about. So that was a whole nother challenge as well. Yeah. There's a lot of filling in going on. You got to catch up. Exactly. I like that. I like the blip. I'm going to use that. <laughs> what was I going to say? Um, it'll come to me. Oh. That's why meeting people from your home country and not even just that, but maybe other newcomers is so important because they have the blips too, right? <laughs> they, they understand the struggles you're going through. And, you know, it's kind of a catch 22 because a lot of people talk about 
if you just stick with internationals and you're kind of hindering your progress and learning Canadian culture and integrating into the community around you. But then there's so many pros to it as well. And I did find it so useful in those early days to have my kind of international community and my friend that I would always go to as my Australian friend and we would do everything together. So um, yeah, did you have that kind of network as well at the beginning? I guess with students you did, because that's what's great about being an international student. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I had my group of Canadians and I had my group of internationals. And it's still the case, although they're starting to blend in a little bit more. But having people like me that are newcomers or someone who never lived in a, another country ever before by themselves, right? It was, uh, it was definitely huge support and we could relate to a lot of things and then we would make our own jokes about things, our own references. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you can, and, in a productive way you can just complain about Canada together that's what I always did with my friends I would be like oh it's so frustrating you know with this or I wish that Canada had more of this and it's just you know unless until you spiral into it and then it's a bad thing but it's nice to be able to rant as well when you're adjusting to a new place (laughs) yeah it's nice not to be alone yes Exactly. So you actually have some fantastic lessons that you shared with me that you'd like to pass on to newcomers if they're freshly, you know, landed. Uh, You've gone through a lot um, in your career. So yeah, maybe chat through that first off. So you're an international student, you got a fantastic job out of after graduation, which was really kind of your dream job on paper. Um, And then yeah, what, what happened after that, which kind of led you to to learning more about kind of finding what truly makes you happy. I think that's a real topic that I'm passionate about as well. So yeah, so I graduated and things started happening like in a movie, you know, I got my dream job. And it was a job in advertising. So I felt like I'm in a madman show. And I'm Mm -hmm. one of the characters. And I thought that life is going to be just like a madman show. (laughs) I love that. It was not. It did not (laughs) end up being like that. Uh, it was in some cases, yes, creative advertising and marketing is obviously a very fun space to be in. It is a lot of creative there. There's a lot of opinions. So, and you learn really fast because it's such a fast paced industry. So I loved it for, for a bit. But then slowly I started understanding that those are the things that I think I started doing because I went to school for that. And I went to school for that because it was a smart, choice from immigration perspective and from just you know building your career in a very way that society builds the career Mm -hmm. you know you go to school for something and you go work for 10 years and then figure out if you like it or not and maybe you change your career or not so I was in this loop of constantly and when the COVID hit especially I I was very confused about things because I had a great job. I had a great team I was working with and it was supposed to be my dream job. And yet I would go to bed crying every night. So I was like, what's wrong? Something's happening, right? And it's almost like my body and my mind were telling me there were days actually when I was working and I had tears on my eyes and I don't remember those days. But apparently my boyfriend says that he remembers the days when I was just like typing vigorously and it was like crying without understanding <laughs> that this is happening. Just on autopilot, like sad, sad autopilot. That's awful. Just very sad autopilot. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. <laughs> I was just 
just going without understanding what's happening. And COVID was uh, a big thing for me, a big pause that I needed. And I started thinking, okay, what makes me actually happy? And I went back into the days in Ukraine when I was studying life coaching and learning about myself and raising my self-awareness. It was interesting and very useful in a, in a move as well, the move to a new country, because it was sort of like a toolbox. Mm, so you had done that work back in Ukraine already. You kind of had those tools in your toolbox of how to sit and listen to yourself and and kind of soul search in a way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I had those tools when I was coming to Canada and um, it was helping me through the first year or two it was guiding me. But as I got into corporate world and I started climbing the ladder, I sort of forgot about those tools. Yeah. So now this was a good time to come back to them and revisit that toolbox. Yeah, I feel like that's, it's such a common thing that happened during this pandemic that people just kind of took a step back and everything, like you said, it was a pause, right? And everyone, everyone just stopped and then looked at their career for the first time, probably in years and actually thought, oh my gosh, okay, this is what I'm doing every day, day in, day out. And it's so strange that we never really looked at that kind of stuff before. And it took, it took something like that to, to make us take that step back and start evaluating it all. And so many people I know have, have completely pivoted or changed careers or, you know, even just, you know, stuck with remote stuff or they've started their own thing, you know, launched their own businesses or projects. So yeah, it's a really interesting time. Yeah. What kind of tools did you use back then then to really, because you said that you had these moments where you weren't necessarily happy or fulfilled in your career. So how did you discover what you wanted to do? The first thing I started to do is just uh, writing everything that's happening in my my head, everything that's happening in my mind. Mm-hmm. I think I was way too overwhelmed and confused with uh, with everything because, you know, from the society's point of view, I had a successful career and I had everything that I wanted and I was unhappy inside. So it was very confusing and I was overwhelmed by lots of emotions. And I found that the first step for me was to start writing them down. And the more I write them down, the more they become real and the more I understand them. So journaling every day, that was my morning and night routine for hours and hours. I would sit with myself <laughs> in beautiful music and just everything that's going on, like sort of a flow of thoughts. Yeah. And then I think naturally things will just come up by doing that because I think you can put a lot of pressure on yourself if you have this pencil in your hand and you're like, okay, what do I write about? But like you said, just let it all come out and then you'll start seeing trends, I guess, right? You'll see, you'll see, oh, I actually really like the days when I'm doing social media and I'm actually kind of happy those days. And oh, I hate doing this part of my job. And you just kind of learn about how your work is affecting the way you feel by comparing day on day, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So are you familiar with Ikigai? I really want to bring that up because I did a webinar with Oscar Sasena from the Immigrants of Toronto podcast and he brought it up and I I've not I wasn't too familiar with it. I think I'd seen it before, but I think it's so, such a powerful thing and I'm wondering if you know about that too and we can chat about it, but it's the Japanese concept meaning a reason for being. So it's literally what we're talking about. It's finding that sweet spot between Basically, there's a diagram that you can Google very quickly. I'll put it in the show notes as well. But it's basically 
what you love, what you're good at, what you can be paid for, and then what the world needs. So you can draw four circles that kind of interlock together and just start writing out everything. It could be reading, it could be, you know, knitting, um, just put it in whatever circle it fits into. And then from there, you can see the crossovers of like, oh, I'm good at that. And I love that. And it's something I can be paid for. And, you know, try and find Ikigai, which is where they all interlock, which is the dream. But even if you can cross a few off, I think that's a really helpful concept to start the process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I've done actually Ikigai when I was searching for myself, for my soul, um, multiple times. And it's interesting that I keep coming back to it. Because that, that bucket of things that I love, it just keeps growing. So right. the more I learn about myself, the more it keeps growing. Um, and then the bucket of, um, things that I'm good at keeps growing as well, because it turns out I was underestimating myself in a lot of cases, right? Until I went out there and started trying out new things and getting a little uncomfortable. But you learn that you actually know way more and you have way more skills and knowledge than you think. Yes. Oh, being uncomfortable. Yeah. That's so, that's such an important message too because yeah you grow when you're uncomfortable it's it's not the best thing but it's so true you know to be uncomfortable you're going to grow and learn things um yeah and what what came up with with Oscar as well is that I think we're always striving for that one thing that checks all the boxes right you're you're looking for something you're good at that you love that the world needs and I can be paid for and it's like yes I have this one thing that's perfect but what we were talking about was that we can have multiple things to fill those boxes, right? So you can have a profession that you're good at and that you get paid for. Um, or, you know, you could just have a vocation that you get paid for it and the world needs it and you don't necessarily love it. And then how can you check off those other boxes? How can you check off something that you love and that you're good at? So even if that's a passion project like this podcast that I'm doing, or if you want to do some painting on the weekends. So it's just trying to fill those circles in your life with things to make sure you're kind of fulfilled in that way, which was a really interesting switch in my mind. Instead of striving for that perfect career, it's just filling your life with all of those areas. Yeah, there's definitely different needs that we're fulfilling, right? With all those different circles in there Mm -hmm. and overlaps of those circles. And if you're really looking for perfection, it might come at some point or it might not as you're exploring different areas. But yeah, there's there's way more to it than just that sweet spot. Exactly. So tell us a bit about what you're doing now. So you are running the Great Move Coaching, which helps women living abroad overcome challenges and reach their life's goals. So um, tell us more about that and the work you're doing, because it's very, very closely linked with what we're talking about. So yeah, so that started as a also a passion project for me. And um, in about a year and a half ago, when when COVID hit, and what I do now, I work with women just like me who lived abroad or living abroad now. And we're going through a tough time of, um, of their career change mm. or it's a tough time. They're in that spot where I was a couple of years ago when, when I was just crying at work. And that's, that's the turning point. That was a turning point for me. And I wish I had a coach back then with me sort of walking me through my thoughts, my feelings, and where to go next and help me to navigate through it. So that's what we're doing uh, with my clients. We are navigating through those tough spots when they're in in their pivotal moment in their career 
when they know they want more, when they know they can do more, when there's some sort of passions and desires in you, and you know it's there, but you might be scared to release them, you might be scared to go out there and be uncomfortable in the world, or there might be some beliefs around, or nobody wants this, nobody's going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. So it's a combination of turning your passion into a business with a very confident attitude, knowing that you've got it, knowing that you have it in you, and and searching, just searching for your soul. Love that. Yes. And it's so useful to have someone on the outside to just blah all of your ideas and your dreams at, because <laughs> I've had that before where I've had a coach and you just kind of blah all the whole hour away and then they've picked out things that you wouldn't necessarily have focused on and it's yeah it's so useful to get that that second perspective for sure yeah Yeah, absolutely so what would be your biggest piece of advice for somebody going through that I know um you share a lot on your Instagram um I'll put the link in that as well it's it's, what is it the dot great dot move got that right perfect um but what uh what's your kind of main tip that you would share um, that comes up a lot for your clients that would help listeners today? I think a lot of things that come up with my clients is around the self-doubt and the fears that show up for them as they're going through this change in their life. And the change is always new, right? So our brain is freaking out. It's like, oh no, this is new and I know. So we're going to get scared and we're going to go hide away. And that was a big challenge for me too. So I think the the very tip that I can give you is listen to your inner self and what it's telling you and then challenge it. Challenge it in the way of making sure that that's really your your true voice talking versus your fears, mm. right? Versus those little demons inside of us. Um, and those demons are still great. They're still trying to protect us, but they're also imprison us in the same way. So while you're listening to your your inner voice and journaling or doing it through meditation or any other practice that you choose, challenge it in a way of, is this really true? Is this really me talking now? Yeah, that's great. And I think it's it's so important to remind ourselves that everybody has these this voice in our head. Everybody, it's such a it's such a universal struggle that everyone goes through so you're definitely not alone in it everyone has imposter syndrome at some point everyone doubts their dreams and just imagine what you can achieve if you just push those voices away and just kind of get uncomfortable and go after it because yeah everyone's so held back by it and it's 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 such a shame there's so much potential especially for people that move abroad because we're so strong and so confident in ways and so brave to take on challenges so the yeah sky's the limit guys yeah it's almost like you've done it once already yeah so another when you're doing a second time it's just another environment in a business or in a career that you're doing it but the skill set is very actually uh, very similar that resilience that we built as we move to another country um, and that ability to push through to go through and put the hard work into it that all is going to pay off when you're doing your pivot into in the career too. Amazing. Oh, Zara, well, thank you so, so much for your time. This has been amazing. I knew I was going to have a, uh, 
dose of passion and and uh what do you call it motivation i'm just gonna sign off this call and get so much work done now <laughs> so thank you so much and um yeah if anyone wants to check out zara and uh, the great move that's at the dot great dot move on instagram and we'll share any other links that she has as well in the show notes and um yay thanks so much zara thank you this was absolute pleasure Thank you so, so much for listening. As always, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a quick review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from. And then if you're loving the show so far, recommend us to your friends. Spread word and help us grow this exciting community. Until next week. Bye.